We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Now it's time for Inside the Clubhouse, a show dedicated to the Chicago baseball fan, featuring the best Chicago baseball conversation as well as the big MLB topics, along with the biggest names, greatest guests, and listener interaction. Starring Score Baseball Insider Bruce Levine and Matt Spiegel. It all starts right here, right now on Sports Radio 670 The Score and 670thescore.com, Chicago's sports station. Good morning, everyone, and welcome to Inside the Clubhouse here on 670 The Score. Baseball talk 52 weeks a year, even with the Bears and the Eagles tomorrow. Damn it, we are here to talk about the best sport on the planet. Good morning, Matt Spiegel. That's who he is. I'm Bruce Levine. We're here for you every week between 9 and 11, 52 weeks out of the year, talking baseball with you, the great Chicago baseball fan. We think we have a great show lined up for you today, Theo Epstein, President of Baseball Operations for the Chicago Cubs, joining us at 9.30. Uh, We also have uh, other guests, but information about Manny Machado, Bryce Harper, all the news of the day on trades and free agency will be talked about here for the next two hours. 312-644-6767 is your phone number to hop in. 670-11 if you want to get at us via text. We're both on Twitter, at MLB Bruce Levine, at Matt Spiegel 670. Bruce reported some stuff this week, some big stuff about White Sox contracts and seven years versus ten. We'll talk about that in a moment. Max and Benny's is your sponsor for this show They're in Northbrook. They're the top restaurant, bakery, and deli in Chicagoland. They remind you that catering in the restaurant party rooms are available now for all of your special events or business meetings. Ask for John at MaxAndBennies.com. The party rooms can accommodate 10 to 150 people for all your special events. Soup season is here. The freshest and heartiest soups warm the body and your soul at Max and Benny's. Combine that with build-your-own salad to start your day or end your evening at Max and Benny's. Dinners from 4 to 9, 7 days a week. The best deli in America, bakery goods to die for. 30 minutes from downtown, 30 minutes from the Wisconsin border. Love you some Max and Benny's in Northbrook. And as you said, Matt, this week the Manny Machado news has uh, broken. Uh, I reported early in the week that uh, even though agents are looking for 10 years plus for both Machado and Harper, that the Chicago White Sox will not be going past seven years with any of their offers. Bob Nightingale of USA Today reported the next day that the Chicago White Sox had tendered an offer to Machado. Mm -hmm. And uh, the assumption here is that it's in the six- or seven-year area, in the $200 million area, uh, which would make it a $25 to $29 million contract of sorts. That's... That's the smart money uh, on where it's at right now. And the first thought that a lot of folks have had is like, well, how can the White Sox even be serious if they're not going to go 10 years? And I push back on that, Bruce, because how many teams are actually going to go 10 years? What is the wisdom 
of really giving anyone, even at age 26 in their prime, a contract like that? And what is the reasoning to do it if no other teams are going to do it? And some may say, well, that sounds like collusion. How about just common sense? How about logical financial common sense that has now uh, it, it pervaded just about every front office because they're all pretty smart. There's not a lot of stupid front offices out there. Why go 10 if you don't have to? I think the mistake in our industry, the media biz, uh, business, and I'm as guilty of it as anyone at times, is assuming that if a team is down, that they are going to have to overpay the marketplace to get somebody to come to them. And you think about uh, the John Lester situation coming to the Cubs after they had gone uh, 73 uh, and 89 in 2014 and had horrendous years of 96 losses and 100, 102 losses. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, but in reality, the, the, re, the reality is you, you will get paid amount. Machado and, and Harper will get paid close to the highest salaries in baseball, okay? I don't think Machado is going to eclipse the $31.25 million average that uh, Mark, Mike Trout is going to make this year in uh, as the top position player paid in baseball, but he's going to approach it. I think Harper has a chance to eclipse the $31.25 million that Trout is going to make. But the idea that it's 10, 12 years, um, that's a little bit pie in the sky, and that's, that's part of negotiations for agents who – See, 26-year-old guys who are called generational players that are Mm -hmm. out there and deserve 10 years. But what does 10 years mean to you when you see contracts like Albert Pujols, when you see contracts like Miguel Cabrera? The ugly back end of so many of these deals, Bruce. There's already already regret uh, for Giancarlo Stanton. and And he had 35 home runs last year, which was down 24 home runs from the year before. So... That means that you're taking 26 and you're taking them to 36. And we're seeing most position players now in the end of the steroids era and the, uh, uh, the era of drugs, we're seeing most of them by 32 and 33 losing it. Right. And, 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 you know, when you're the Dodgers and you have unlimited finances in all this room, and there's this perception and this guess that you're then just going to blow it out of the water and be the, this massive evil empire on the West Coast that's paying like crazy and they don't care. No, no, no. They hired Andrew Friedman so they could use his sort of inherent frugality and his, uh, his, his take on what the business is you don't have to then give out these right. absurd deals. You don't have to. You can get out from under because there's a lot of sense in keeping yourself away from the competitive balance tax for multiple seasons. And to add on to your point, Matt, which is a really good one, the White Sox have never offered a contract more than $68 million. Okay? That is Abreu. He was the highest paid international free agent in history when he signed with the Chicago White Sox five years ago. They will eclipse that in their offer here by three, at least, okay? It's going to be close to a $200 million offer, is my guess, somewhere between 180 and $200 million. So for people out there to say the Chicago White Sox will not pay money, they are cheap, uh, they haven't offered these contracts, you alluded to Andrew Friedman and not uh, offering any double-digit uh, $100 million contracts to anybody, 
the the idea that an average of twenty eight million dollars a year times seven is cheap, right? Just doesn't it doesn't resonate with me because agents are out there saying that these guys should get. $320, 350000000 million. And those are the numbers that we've seen bandied about and thrown around. Right. And it's just agents and these reports, which almost always right. come from the agents, are about that. Do you, so that, that's the thing. The White Sox have said, and Rick Hahn has said, we deserve a seat at the table. We deserve nice things in one of my favorite cuts of the offseason. Yeah. You are at the table, and I don't think an offer of seven years and $200 million is 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 a faux offer is like a, we're not really trying to get you i think that is a real if you're absolutely. Manny machado that is uh that is an offer that you absolutely consider especially with the nest that they've built with your brother-in-law here with shortstop being handed to you which may not be the case in some of the other places right and you're going to be able to build with a, a young group of players who uh, you can be uh, a leader or not be a leader for depending on um mm-hmm. how you fit in but more importantly your skill set certainly fits in with what the Chicago White Sox are trying to do. They're trying to get the top echelon players in the game and and dominate for a five- or six-year period, much like the Cubs are in right now, and to be able to um, give their fans and their fan base uh, the team that they deserve and a a shot at championships every year. Uh, You look at at the the situation with with Machado – and you 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 also have an idea that um, he doesn't have to be a leader with the White Sox, okay? He doesn't have to be a leader with the Yankees. But what what you what you need is a really got good player who averages thirty home runs, drives in a hundred, plays Gold Glove third base. I mean, who wouldn't want that? Who would not want to pay twenty five, twenty six, twenty seven million dollars a year for that for seven years? But the idea that you're gonna have dead wood at the end of your uh, of that ten years or the last four years of it, and be paying uh, a high amount. That just doesn't resonate. And and the idea that uh, you're going to let a guy out of a contract after three years because he's done what you're paying him for, mm-hmm. that doesn't resonate either. The New York Yankees signed Troy Tulowitzki, and according to folks very close to that, I read this on uh, on SNY, read this a couple different places. Tulowitzki was only talking with teams that were willing to offer him a starting shortstop job. Now, if that's... That's bull. Is, uh, <laughs> that's a good word to use. I don't know. Sorry. Zach, did you catch that? I hope so. I hope so as well. Um, and if not... All right, no, so it, you, you say that's BS. garbage. That That's BS. Yeah, because is. the conclusion to draw from the Yankees signing... Uh, Tulowitzki is that Machado has no place to play. He does not have shortstop to play. Miguel Andohar is a third. <laughs> They'd have to get rid of Miguel Andohar if they sign Machado, and and that wouldn't be hard how, to how do. How can you promise a guy who has played <laughs> sixty six games in two years the starting shortstop job for the New York Yankees? And why a shot at it? You've probably guaranteed him a shot at but, it. But Matt, we'll bring you in to compete. For how much it. are they paying him? Mm, I didn't. Even, I didn't see the terms okay. until it was. The reality is that they're, they're paying him yeah. five hundred and sixty million dollars. No, five hundred sixty thousand. I was going to say that's right. that's a deal. They're paying him five hundred sixty thousand uh-huh. dollars. That's the minimum. Okay, the rest is already paid by Toronto, who released him. Right. So why would you tell everybody that he's going to be your starting shortstop? Uh, when you have D.D. Gregorius coming back 
at the end of the year. They're hoping in July. And you're in negotiations with Manny Machado. because this guy has been limited to 66 games in two years, how do you know he's going to hold up through spring training? Okay? There's been no promise. I guarantee you 100%, and I know this, there's been no promise to him that he's going to be the starting shortstop for the New York Yankees. Well, that's excellent. That's excellent okay. information. That is 100% from it's, Bruce Levine. It's not. It's not. Now, did they say if you're healthy, you compete? You compete for it in spring you, training. You, you, we're going to move you around. The idea is they signed a really good former star player who has great makeup and had great numbers maybe the last time in 2015 uh, to play – some third base, some first base, maybe DH on occasion. Yeah. And if you stay physically healthy, add an awful lot to a championship caliber team. The- but they also, what they also did was they also told Machado and Harper's agents that uh, this, and, and particularly Machado, that uh, this isn't, this isn't going to uh, preclude us from being able to sign you if that's how it works. All right, so I can't, uh, you know, uh, uh, on behalf of White Sox fans, you're telling me not to look at the the news of Tulowitzki signing there and this idea that he wants to be a starting shortstop, to not look at that and say that makes it less likely that the Yankees will get Machado. Because to me, at the very least, it's more crowded. At the very least, it's more crowded. you got to deal with that. I'm sure the Yankees would prefer Machado to come there and play third base. Correct. But maybe they would. They'll play him at shortstop until Gregorius comes back. Okay, they have Anduar, who everybody is already trading. He was he should have been the rookie of the year. I know, you know, certainly um, terrific offensive numbers. Defensively, doesn't hold a yeah. candle to so, many. But third. but uh, he's not automatically going to be moved. He, he could be in the in the mix or moving over to first base as well. Uh, they don't have any locks over there. Mm-hmm. So. Uh, from from all that per- perception here, there's a lot of things that are reported that just aren't 100% right, and, and that's one of them. Well, I think the White Sox are absolutely locked in as one of the favorites, if not the favorite, for Machado. And I just keep hearing stuff that makes a lot of sense. And later on in the show, we'll get to it, Bruce, whenever we have time. Uh, I, 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 if I'm guy, still on the air. If, a, a guy who uh, said on a podcast that he had talked to somebody, that the White Sox were going to get Machado, and then we had him on the score this week, and he backtracked. It's entertaining, but I want to get your thoughts as a journalist, as a guy who deals with sources, why you'd put info out there and then pull it back frantically the way this guy did this week. 312-644-6767. Text Matt at 670-11. He'll read all that's worthy to go on the air and maybe also hit the the, uh, cough button for me a couple times. The dump button. As needed. I just love that you're unfiltered, man. Uh, That's what I love. uh, I mean, that that just was so irritating to hear. That uh, this guy who hasn't played for two years is going to be your starting shortstop on a championship caliber team. It's just uh, just boggles the mind. Uh, we're gonna we're gonna take a short break. Come back, and uh, Theo Epstein will join us at the bottom of the hour. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, we're looking forward to that. Anthony Iposi, also the hitting coach of the Cubs, joining us. White Sox Cub fans, this is your place to be. Three one two six forty four sixty seven sixty seven. Hop in, and we will talk about many many things regarding both teams and the overall glacial free agent signing uh, period here in MLB. It's inside the clubhouse on six seventy. The score. Welcome back in on six seventy. The score. It is inside the clubhouse. We're going to talk to Theo Epstein in about eight minutes. Uh, before we do that, let's talk to Don in Burr Ridge. You're on with me and Bruce Levine. What's up, Don? How are you? Hey guys. 
Love the show. I listen to it all the time. Uh, long-time listener, long-time caller. Hey, a couple things. If Machado signs with the, uh, the Sox, what else are they looking to do in the free agency, if anything? And if Machado doesn't sign with the Sox, what are they looking to do? I, I actually hope that they don't sign Machado. I would rather see them um, either tank another year and get rid of Abreu come the All-Star break, um, or I'd like to see them go after like a Muskakis and a Pollock, which is two pretty darn good players that help out not only offensively but defensively and probably get them uh, fairly che- Maybe not Pollock, but Muskakis you can get fairly cheap and both of them would be really nice upgrades, and it would be. Yeah. A- yeah, thanks, Don. I, I don't think those guys fit the profile of no, what they want I, in the I future agree with you, window, Matt. right? They really don't. No. Pollock's going to be looking for a three or four year deal. Uh, Mustakis uh, had to work on a one year deal last year. He might have to do that again if he if he does falls through the cracks again. That would be a good player because he would be a flippable player for you in July. Right. That's what your free agent targets are right. when you're in the White Sox position. Sign and flips. Or in the rare opportunity to get somebody like Machado, even if it's a year early, uh, it can make sense to do it. Well, we'll take a break and come right back with Theo Epstein, president of baseball operations for the Cubs, here on 670 The Score. Welcome back in on 670 The Score. Big week for the Cubs coaching staff. Mark Loretta is your new bench coach. He was on the station yesterday with Bernstein and McKnight. And Bob Tewksbury added for the mental skills program. You're right about that. There's a, a new coaching staff for Theo Epstein and the president of the Cubs, as well as manager Joe Madden. And we are pleased to be joined by the president of baseball operations for the Chicago Cubs, Theo Epstein, joining Matt Spiegel and myself on Inside the Clubhouse. Good morning. Happy New Year, Theo. Thanks, guys. Happy New Year. Good morning. Yeah, morning. we appreciate it. So uh, I'm going to take us back to um, the in November where uh, I uh, I told Theo Matt about um, a couple people telling me that that Theo was reminding them of Vince Lombardi and the way that uh, he talked about winning is everything. It's it's not the only thing. It's everything. And Theo, of course, you know, with the group of media people around you know, laughed me off and said, you know, of course, you know, I'm not ever comparing myself to Lombardi. But the truth is, in the offseason here, Theo, you have challenged everybody, including yourself, to do better, uh, a team that won 95 games, which is something to be proud of. And uh, we've seen, you know, some of the results here of your changes. Uh, We'll see more of them during spring training in the season. But how individually did you challenge yourself uh, going forward? So we just have to do a better job, you know, with our with our decision making um, off the field, with making sure we give ourselves every little competitive advantage that we can uh, with our preparation on the field, and then, you know, I think I think uh, overall as a group, we need to we need to um, just have more of a, a sense of urgency. You know, if you if you look at at um, our time here in, in in two chunks, you know, the first five years was. You know, it was really, um, you know, a, a rebuild and a, and a ascent to contention, and then and then um, a championship, sort of as, as well as we could have scripted it. And then in the two years since, we've, you know, our, our talent has manifested with, um, you know, with a, a division, and then a ninety, and then a 90, 
and division series win in a 95 win season, but I don't think there's anyone in the organization is super proud of, of, um, you know, the totality of the work the last two years. That's not where we want to be. We want to make sure we're putting our absolute best foot forward. You only get one crack at this and, uh, it's not easy. And, and, um, but it's a, it's a special opportunity. And, and so we all need to put our absolute best foot forward, including myself, including everyone in the organization. And I think that's really the theme is, you know, talking to, talking to players, talking to coaches, talking to front office. I think we're all sort of um, hunkering down and, and making sure we leave no stone unturned and making sure that we do our jobs the absolute best way that we all can and that we all set up our lives in a way that um, leaves nothing undone. To, uh, to try to help the Cubs win a championship next year. Theo, when you talk about the need for internal improvement for the players, for the young players, I wonder if that's something um, that you can genuinely count on. Like you've talked how development is not linear. We've, we've learned that into the lexicon uh, from you. No, you can't, count, you can't count on it. No. I mean, there are very few things in baseball you can count on. But no, if you're, if you're, you cannot ever count on a young player's improvement. Nothing is promised Mm-hmm. Nothing is given. It has to be. It has to be earned, and 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 it has to be worked for, and it has it has to be support along the way, and then it has to be accomplished. But you can you can never count on that. So so how can you how can you try to make it a little more linear, a little more predictable? What what are some of the specific things you can work with with young hitters to try and and spur the development? Well, first off, you know in the environment surrounding the team. I think. Um, we we can add a little bit more structure and a, and a little bit more more structured work to um, which is which is what you need to develop. You know, you need routine, you need consistent work, um, you need you need uh, a structure around you that um, that puts you in the best position to get get better every day. And so we've made some you know some sort of subtle adjustments behind the scenes just to just to make sure we're we're putting that type of environment in place. And then um, you know you need a real uh, you know, self-awareness about about the the areas that need improvement and, and the weaknesses and the things that the league has done to adjust to you. And then you need to go to, you know, you need a, a good plan on how to address those things. And then you need to put in a really good off-season worth of work. And, and then that process has to continue uh, during the season um, because it's not, it's not guaranteed. You know, careers aren't guaranteed. You know, good seasons, being parts of a winning team, but there's a great opportunity here, and and you know, and I think it's important to note we're not we're not counting on every single player to get better um, because that's not the way it works. But you, that, that's one of the reasons why you have a ton of depth from a position player standpoint. You know, some guys are going to take a step forward and then earn more playing time and and help the team win. Other guys are going to uh, not take a step forward and and maybe have their role reduced or end up having to go to the minor leagues and work on it. That's the voice of Theo Epstein, the president of baseball operations for the Chicago Cubs. We are on uh, 670thescore.com. This is Inside the Clubhouse. Theo, uh, we've heard more and more and more, and it's all been media-driven mostly, and I'm a part of it as well, about the you know sticking with the, the high $207 million uh, player you know, threshold for um, the um, – uh, competitive balance threshold and the luxury tax and how the Cubs will be among the top five uh, teams in spending this year, no doubt. But um, is it possible that we've missed a point and that it's not necessarily where you hit on that, but just improving the team 
and the players on the team and maybe maybe reshuffling some of that that expenditure rather than us concentrating on you going over a certain threshold this year? Um, not sure I, I fully grasp that, but it's it's not the you know, the, the, the CBT threshold is not um, dictating any of our actions or um, inaction this winter at all. It's it, we're not governed by that. There are times when strategically you want to make sure you're under it or where you don't mind going above it. This isn't one of those off seasons where strategically it, it makes a, a, a heck of a lot of difference to us. It's, you know, it's just sort of traditional, traditional budgeting. You know, you, you spend what you have, you don't spend what you don't have and you try to put the absolute best team on the field with, with what you do have. And that's what we've done every year. And, we have more than enough resources to win, and that's where we're gonna, the way we're going to continue to approach it. Uh, to clarify my uh, question, you know, and you answered certainly very well the, the one part of it. The other part that I didn't make quite enough clear is that reshuffling uh, some of the uh, assets that you have, players uh, possibly, and making it a more productive outfield for a change. In other words uh, – you know, I'm sure that you're not happy with the the slugging from the outfield last year, and projecting that and maybe adding a piece uh, along the way is something that you're able to do if you're creative enough. And as you you talked about recently, being patient to uh, respond to the off season properly. Um, I mean that that would be you know one thing that it, it, you know uh, you'd conceivably like to do, whether whether you're able to do it or not. Look, I mean. You just have to take an honest look at at the point in time where you're at, and when you have a lot of guys coming off good years, and 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 um, you you tend to have more you know more flexibility with trades that you can make, and you know moving salaries or you know moving young players at a point where their value is high. When, when you have when you have you know uh, some some critical players coming off down years, that's not a time where there is a tremendous amount of flexibility if, if you. If you don't, you know, if you don't have a, a lot of buffer with your payroll, a lot of room left with your payroll. So, yeah, I mean, you could talk about reshuffling, and there's certainly deals we've conceived of that you know move some money and bring back some money. But um, it's it's you know there's off seasons where you're set up to to be really active, and off seasons where you you know you've got to work really hard to, to make even the smallest pieces fit. And um, you know, right now we're you know we're working hard to try to make some improvements. But again, I'm just being honest with you guys. I think the majority of the improvements are going to come from, um, you know, working hard with our players, with the staff, with the whole organization to, to have really talented players uh, play up to their level. Um, something that, you know, not, not all of us did last year. You know, you said something bigger in there. I want to make sure people heard it because every conversation with guys, you know, like, like me that don't know what you're actually thinking, it starts with like, well, do they want to go over the tax or not? Are they going to go over the tax? And you said it's not dictating that. I, that is not I dictating. That, yeah, I said that all off season. Yeah, in the first press conference on, like, this is not an off season where anyone should be fixated about the tax. It's just, it's it's like any business. There's their budgets, and and you can't mm-hmm. ignore them, and you can't spend what you don't have, and you should spend everything you do have, and and you know there there will be off seasons when when you know being very very mindful of the CBT and not going just a touch over it, for example, and then right. hurting yourself with respect to future tax rates or draft position or those things that, that matters. This is not one of those off seasons. So, 
wouldn't waste a lot of time thinking about <laughs> about the tax as you're trying to assess what's going on. Got you. Uh, without mentioning specific names of players, fans are refusing to give up the dream of a big ticket item. Should should they should they stop dreaming about that kind of thing? I'm not going to tell fans how to. Um, you know, uh, consume their off season, just like I don't tell them during the year. I, you know, I, I, I'm very respectful of, of, of the way fans choose to, to, you know, uh, root for the team and what if, the, you know, whether they want to buy tickets or not buy tickets, it's their hard earned money. And, and we're lucky and privileged to have people who care about this team so much and however they want to relate to the team, if they want to be, you know, uh, really focused on the off season and and have big expectations for big games. That's absolutely their right, and and I I totally get that. And um, you know it can be fun following every every move or non move in the off season and being critical. I think I think ultimately you know what once once you start playing, there's a, a sort of natural exhale and and a return to focusing on on the on on the games and and on. Uh, and I'm and I'm trying to win, and then that's what becomes most important again. So I think you know once once the once we start playing again, there'll be a return to the focus on the field, which is a sort of more healthy state for for everybody. Um, but for now, you know, for this winter, I'm not going to tell them, you know, to what to expect or what not to expect. Anything is possible. Of course, some things are <laughs> right. extraordinarily unlikely, and 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 some things are are more realistic, and they're going to be big off seasons. And and that'll usually be much applauded. And sometimes those can, those lead to winning seasons, and sometimes they don't. And there's going to be smaller off seasons or, or off seasons where that are almost completely status quo, and those will be usually met with a lot of criticism. It doesn't mean it's not going to be a wildly successful and entertaining season. So that's just you know the off season is the bigger the vacuum, you know, the sort of the more analysis and attention sometimes it gets. And, and look, it's. It, you, you guys have a job to do, and, and I'm just uh, honored the fans want to follow the team even in the off season, and I'm not going to take any of their hopes away from them. Uh, all right, so no Bryce Harper news breaking on the show today, Bruce. I just wanted to make sure. So, are you telling me or Theo? I, I, I'm telling you. Oh, to, okay. Just telling everybody to relax, <laughs> Theo. Um, <laughs> the uh, Cubs will be announcing soon. Uh, the organization will be announcing soon a new regional sports network uh, that will have predominantly most of the games uh, on this network. How, um, from, your, from you know, working with the business department and Tom, how will this impact the baseball operations as far as uh, the economics of what you are able to do going forward? And has it been already figured out? And is it, uh, is it something that you can already sit down with Jed and the rest of your people and work on as far as projecting future payrolls? Um, no, not as much as you would think, you know, I think, um, first of all, nothing's finalized yet, but I think, you know, the way, um, the way this thing is most likely to work when it comes together is that, you know, the first few years of any new setup will, will be, you know, really similar to, to what we've had in the past as far as the money coming in, but then with, you know, with, with continued growth and success and as the thing develops and, and the team on the field stays successful, you, you know, you can see the potential for for greater growth into the future but um you know i think our business side is working hard at it and from our standpoint we just you know uh we're excited to see the consistency of of, you know the dollars coming in and and hope hope to play a part in growing it in the future and then we want our fans to have a really good 
product as well and you know a tv broadcast they can continue to watch each night and enjoy and and from our standpoint most importantly a product a winning product on the field that they can enjoy as well you talked about uh from the beginning uh november or october on that you want to add uh some bullpen depth you have some catching depth uh it's not that late really i mean it's january and there's 40 days left till spring training, but there seems to be a ton of free agents out there. And a lot of teams, it appears, are waiting for some of the big free agents to sign before they make some more trades. Are, are, you, uh, are you convinced that, you know, that theory is correct and that there is plenty of time to add the proper players to your team going forward? Uh, for us specifically? For yeah, the for you specifically, whole? yeah. Yeah, well, it depends. You know, I think you know, every, every team has – unique set of circumstances in the winter. And I think, you know, traditionally you see the bigger guys sign first and then um, there can be greater value um, and a greater volume of players signing, signing late. So, um, you know, certain teams are in a position to sort of dictate and, and be in on everybody. And then, and then, you know, other teams in a given off season are in a more patient mindset, having to wait and see and find value late. So, um, It'll play. I think just the biggest change in the industry is that you know things are just tending to happen a little bit later, and you have to be prepared for a lot of activity late in late in January and even into February. It's great to hear Mark Loretta yesterday on the station, and it's it's as he talked about the decision with his family to uproot his life and and come here. Um, sounds like you know a guy who's going to be here a while and is ready to be invested in a part of things and. The, with the front office involvement in the coaching staff, that's that's somebody that that, that Jed had reached out to, and um, you know he he says he's he's going to be talking to you guys and talking to players and talking, of course, to Joe as much as he does. It, is that is it a way to make sure that the front office vision is realized on the field a bit more no, than it has no, been at all? No, not at all. Okay, not at all. shoot, Brandon Hyde was part of our front office for five years. No, it's no nothing to do with that. Um, uh, he's Joe's bench coach, and and Joe interviewed him, and 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 we interviewed him as well. Uh, he's someone that um, Jed, Joe, and I all had a little bit of a history with. Um, I signed him as a player in 2006, and in, enjoyed my time with him. Then um, uh, he transitioned to an off-field role um, uh, when Jed was out in San Diego, and then Joe and he have a lot of mutual friends and travel in the same circle, so they have a relationship as well. So. No, he was he wasn't hired because of any one relationship or um you know, because he offers a front office perspective. I think he offers more of a just a smart player's perspective more than anything, former player's perspective. But um he was the guy that, that you know, fit best with the way Joe does his job and he's a really insightful guy who and highly intelligent treats the game well, uh can communicate, um, high emotional intelligence as well as uh, you know, natural traditional intelligence and I think it'll be a big asset. As far as uh, the team, uh, you were asked a month ago by a, a group of us in the winter meetings about the health of Darvish and of uh, Morrow. Uh, we found out about Morrow, you know, having to go probably into spring training. What's what's the updated version of uh, Darvish and Morrow? Uh, is, is there anything else you can tell us about what's going on with them and, and what they're doing right now? Yeah, they're they're both doing well. Darvish is, is farther ahead. He's on a... Um, traditional build up with this throwing program and is in really great shape um, and is excited and will be on 
full go on a normal schedule in spring training. Um, Morrow doesn't think he's going to be too far behind at all. Uh, thinking that, you know, if you asked him, he'd probably say he's going to be ready for opening day, but you know, probably, probably that's unrealistic. If, you know, if we do the right thing and build him up slowly, he might, he'll probably miss it by a few weeks, but um, we'll see. We'll have a better gauge on that in spring training, but both guys are doing well. Darvish is just a little bit farther along. What it, it, Mark Loretta was talking about the collective offensive approach, and uh, I, I wonder if it, how you feel about guys swinging for contact to the opposite field against the shift, or trying to pull the ball, launching it over the shift and the wall. It, 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 do you want to see that balance of what your hitters do at the plate shift at all? Do you want to see them looking for contact a bit more, or you you know like and how do you get them to think about that balance in, in a different way if you do want um, that? No, I mean I want guys to be themselves. I think you can get in a lot of trouble trying to trying to change guys, and um, but b- baseball is that balance. You know, I mean if 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 you if you want to hit for power, you you. Know, you Unless you're one of those truly, truly special hitters, uh, the elite of the elite. If you want to hit for power, you really have to, to pull the ball and pull it pretty consistently. But if you um, if you want to if you want to win the game and and and, and or, or play play the game and, and play good winning situational baseball, um, especially with two strikes uh, against this kind of pitching, you have to take what they give you. You have to use the whole field, and and you'd be smart to consider, as we Willie Kaler said, hitting them where they ain't. And right. There's going to be every infielder on one side of the bag, you know, you got to be open-minded and use the whole field, but it's just, it's just a balance. I think one place in particular where a few of our guys can continue to make some progress and they're really focused on it is just having a two strike approach where, you know, you can be aggressive for your pitch and trying to, trying to drive the ball as you should and, and, and get it to the pull side and get it in the air and drive it through the gaps and out of the ballpark before you get to two strikes. But that, when you do get to two strikes, especially in situations where there's runners on base and in, in, in close games, and if, if they're shifting you, it, it makes a ton of sense to change your approach. And, and you're probably not looking to hit um, a big homer with two strikes with you know a big run out there on second base. And I think that's something that we can we can continue to work at and be a little bit more adjustable and more adaptable. And we have guys who do a great job of it, um, Anthony Rizzo in, in particular. But um, you know there there are a lot there are players hard at work on that. And I think that's a area of improvement for a lot of guys to continue in a great way for them to strike the right balance is being more conscious of playing other strengths before you get to two strikes, but then being a little bit more adjustable and a tougher out once you do get to two strikes. He said it right, continue, because the first half last year was done beautifully until the Mm -hmm. second half changed totally. So from that perspective, I think you're right. It's just the group continuing on with that work with, with Anthony as the, uh, the hitting coach. Theo, we, uh, we thank you so much for uh, this uh, time that you've given us today. Look forward to seeing you really soon at the uh, Cub Convention, and I know the fans will be uh, interested in all the moves that you make. Uh, continue. Good luck, and thanks again for joining Matt and I today. All right, guys. Look forward to seeing everyone at convention and, and especially to, to getting started hearing the crack of the bat and focusing on what's going on on the field. I think it's going to be a really, really good and really entertaining season. This is um, a great group of guys and averaging 97 wins a year the last four years. They deserve a lot of credit. and They're also a really determined and motivated bunch, so I wouldn't bet against us. Appreciate it. Thanks again. Theo Epstein, Thanks, president guys. of Thanks, the Theo. Chicago Cubs, joining Matt and I on Inside the Clubhouse. And a couple takeaways uh, from there, Matt. Uh, one in particular uh, – 
you know, initially talking about the fact that uh, the payroll threshold is not going to hold them back from doing what they want to do this year. Mm-hmm. I think even though Theo said he's said that before, I think it has to be hammered home again that uh, going over is not a big deal to, for them, but being fiscally responsible as far as moving players around, in other words, not having duplications out there that cost you a certain amount of money, that's the key. And we couldn't talk about uh, you know, an individual player like Hayward or, or somebody like that being moved, but that that's gonna that's gonna be the key to Theo being able to uh, talk about a Bryce Harper or bringing in another high profile free agent. Yeah, I, I mean, there's a budget that's allocated to baseball operations from the organization as a whole. Every and, every team, every, every team, and and that's what he's dealing with. And some of so some of that is completely out of his control. But yes, the conversations that begin with do they want to go over the tax or not? It's about multiple years. You've pointed this out many times. The Red Sox went over last year and ended up paying, I believe, eleven million dollars was yeah. how much they paid in tax. Which there is was nothing. only two teams that went over, right? Red Sox and Nationals, right? But now both of them supposedly are going to try and stay under right. this coming year because going doing it two years in a row is a big deal. This right. was a year they targeted that if they need to go over the tax, no biggie. So yeah. that, yeah. but but the, let's say they go over twenty million dollars. Uh-huh. It's a tax of. 20%, okay? That's $4 million, all right? That's, you know, really, it's a drop in the bucket for being able to sign another free agent. So if they do that, no no harm, no foul. It's it's not that big of a deal. Uh, if they go higher, it's a 30% threshold. So it's still not a ton of money. If you're going to win a world championship, you're going to bring in a Bryce Harper, and you're able to move a contract, let's say, like um, Hayward's, and you you pay seven or eight million dollars in tax, mm-hmm. they're not going to care. But but they're not going to be able to to load up and and keep another contract and a player that doesn't fit in if you bring in a duplication of him. Right. Uh, you know there was some the way that he talked about the TV deal. Um, I, and we we should go back and listen, and we will. Zach Withers on the other side of the glass. I, I think he said the first couple of years of the TV deal, he doesn't expect there to be a lot of added revenue, right? And that would mean, and I think a lot of us he have said been waiting. Pretty much status quo. Yeah, but a lot still, of us have been waiting and thinking that the TV deal will mean all right. Now here you go. Here come the well, Kobe Bucks, and you but can I just mean, print the money. They're in the top five already. Mm-hmm. You know. So how how much higher do you actually do you want them to just spend money or do you want them to be responsible about how they spend? But but as recently as the the winter meetings, there there was a quote where he kind of said, well, until we get a new TV deal locked in, I wouldn't even worry about this. And this is him saying, even if we do get the TV deal, that might not mean that they can things can explode. But but 60 million are coming. It's coming off next year. Okay. So right. they're going to be in great shape either way. They're going to have to replace some of those players. They're high, high-ranking players like Hamels, like Zobrist, like Morrow. But um, they're in a, a great position to go over if they have to. And I think that's what resonates from our conversation with Theo. Let's take some phone calls at 312-644-6767. Cub fans react to Theo Epstein and what you heard there and your feelings on this offseason so far, where things are, the ability to make uh, development linear, uh, the attempts to anyway. And then uh, White Sox fans, we began the show talking about Manny Machado and, um, and, and the White Sox efforts, and we have some audio that we want to play for you in that regard. But 312-644-6767 is the phone number. Dial it up for Inside the Clubhouse. Matt Spiegel and Bruce Levine on 670 The Score. 
T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.